It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up? Welcome in. I'm James Erpine. This is the Locked On Bengals podcast on a Tuesday. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic for our weekly Bengals film review today. He'll be here in just a few minutes. You're going to hear from Dave Lapham on Hugh Jackson potentially returning to the Queen City in just a minute. But first, a reminder, this is the only Daily Bengals podcast out there. You ain't getting this anywhere else. Nowhere. Nowhere do you get Bengals podcast daily. And you can subscribe to it. iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you get your podcasts. Also, LockedOnBengals.com. Go there. I've written about the Bengals. We're podcasting about the Bengals. We got other writers on the Bengals. You should check it out at LockedOnBengals.com, where every podcast is posted. It's great to be with you today. I'm fired up. It's the trade deadline. I'm going to talk about uh, it with Joe Goodberry a little bit during our weekly Bengals film review on what they need, what they don't need, what what they, they lost, and, and et cetera. All this different stuff going on. Um, we had some breaking news while I talked with Joe. Demarius Thomas was traded. Uh, so that's interesting. So that's one name that we bring up, but uh, in I, we talk about the trade, but we bring up at the beginning of the conversation that certainly isn't part of it. But uh, yeah, we have a, a ton to dive into the good, the bad of the offense, Tyler Boyd, Joe Mixon, and, and more. Um, but let's start with Hugh Jackson because Hugh Jackson, certainly someone that everyone, the moment he became available, oh, I wonder if he's going to end up back with the Bengals. Well, uh, Bengals line airs every single Monday night on 700 WLW, and Lance McAllister asked Dave Lapham if he could see Hugh Jackson returning to the Bengals. It would not shock me if Hugh Jackson came to Cincinnati as a special assistant to Bengals head coach Marvin Lewis, simply for the fact that it would be legal for him to be on staff and spill his guts about the Cleveland Browns. Two more times. They play the Cleveland Browns twice in five weeks. Nobody else in the division has two games left with Cleveland. Baltimore's played Cleveland. Pittsburgh has played Cleveland. The Bengals have not played Cleveland yet. They can, I mean, you you have an opportunity to, to help yourself against the Cleveland Browns with intel and information and whatever, and it's totally legal. So, I mean, I know Marvin Lewis not only likes but totally respects Hugh Jackson as a coach. And if he feels that he can give them something, he's coached running backs, he's coached wide receivers, he's been an offensive coordinator, he's been an assistant secondary coach, he's been an assistant special teams coach. (laughs) With the Bengals, he's got exposure everywhere. So he could be, you know, I don't know if he'd name him assistant head coach, but he might name him, you know, special consultant to the head coach. And, you know, you finish the season, Cleveland and Pittsburgh, both on the road, last two games of the season. What's wrong with having another guy in meetings that has been game planning against those teams as early as, you know, this week. Yep. So, I mean, I can see reasons why the relationship, uh, some reasons. I know Mike Brown feels it ha- holds Hugh Jackson in high regard. It would not stun me. You know, I, I think that, you know, his locker is still available in the coach's locker room. I mean, there's a locker there. So it, it, would, not, it would not stun me at all. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but, I mean, 
A lot stranger things than that have happened, that's for sure. No doubt about it. No doubt about it. Stranger things have happened. Uh, Lap, putting it uh, mildly there. Yeah, I, I think that it's, I would say it's 50-50. I could totally see it. And here's why I'm on board with it. I want to win this division. Hugh Jackson knows the division. Hugh Jackson coached against the division. Hugh Jackson beat Baltimore. He beat, uh, or he knows, hell, he beat the Browns 36 times. <laughs> he took part in 36 losses for the Browns. He knows that roster. You got to sweep Cleveland. You seen that schedule? If you could sweep Cleveland, beat Baltimore again, and you handle your business against Oakland and Denver, that's it. Ten wins. Boom. There you go. So any edge I can get to get to that point, I'm on board with. Those are my short thoughts, quick thoughts on that. But like I mentioned, Joe Goodberry of The Athletic going to join me for our weekly Bengals film review on today's show. We'll get to Joe in just one second, but first, a word from Vivid Seats, because Vivid Seats is an online event ticket marketplace dedicated to providing you, fan, your fan, right, of live entertainment, you have to be if you're a Bengals fan, with experiences that are going to last a lifetime. With Vivid Seats, you can watch your favorite teams and artists perform in person. They'll help you find seats to Bengals Saints at great prices. And it's not just sporting events. They got concerts, theater, so much more. They offer great prices and an easy purchasing experience. I've used it. I think you should too. And right now, if you use the uh, podcast code Locked On, you're going to get $20 off your order of $200 or more if you're a first-time customer. So go there, go to Vivid Seats, or download the Vivid Seats app in the App Store or Google Play, and enter promo code Locked On. You're going to get $20 off your order of $200 or more as a new customer of Vivid Seats. Whether it's NBA, I used it for Major League Baseball, whether it's NFL, whatever the case may be, concerts, etc. Vivid Seats is where it's at. Again, Vivid Seats app or VividSeats.com, promo code Locked On. All Vivid Seats confirmed orders are backed by 100% guarantee. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On Bengals podcast rolls on, and every single week, Joe Goodberry of The Athletic joins us for our weekly Bengals film review. You can follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry, and be sure to check out his work for The Athletic. Does great work, and I know he's got a ton of stuff coming up uh, to keep you in touch and tune with the Bengals on a bye week. Joe, I appreciate the time as always. Uh, a 37-34 victory on Sunday that I think a lot of fans felt like uh, like it was a loss <laughs> looking back and in, in leaving the game and leaving the stadium. Uh, a lot of fans probably not uh, happy with the team's performance. Let's start with the good. Let's start with the offense. I thought in the first half the offense, uh, offense looked as good as it had um, in any game since the Atlanta first half. Your thoughts on what the Bengals did offensively, and did Bill Lazor switch it up? Did he do anything different from uh, what he did the week prior in Kansas City? No, it wasn't anything with Lazor. I don't think he did, he showed anything uh, crazy. Uh, I think <laughs> they executed completely. I yeah. mean, 
the receivers were open consistently, especially Tyler Boyd. Um, and then Joe Mixon in the running game worked. It, you know, the Bucks were hurting inside. They didn't have McCoy. They didn't have Vinnie Curry on the D-line. Um, they played a shell cover, too, which made it easy for Boyd and easy for Andy Dalton. And the run game worked. And they didn't come down and, and, and get out of that cover, cover two defense until the second half of the game. And that's when we saw them start to struggle a little bit. Uh, but, you know, it took them a long time to adjust for the Bucks, and the Bengals just took advantage and moved it down the field consistently and easily. And, you know, they can do that when a team doesn't is, – is, when a team is as poorly coached as we say the Bengals are when they lose, the Bengals seem to take advantage of it, right? When it's good teams that adjust quickly and change things up, we sit here and say, come on, Bengals, you guys need to be the ones to make the adjustments. But you can see, obviously, the Bucks were just – they were out of it until the second half. Joe Goodberry of the F. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us, excuse me. Um, Tyler Boyd is a guy that I think has has come on. He's on pace for 98 receptions this year, which is insane. 12 touchdowns and over 1,200 yards receiving. Uh, who knows if he keeps that pace up or not. Uh, here's what I, I know. He's a stud. Uh, what did you see from him on film? And, and the crazy thing is, is the offense was rolling in the first quarter. A.J. Green didn't get targeted in the first quarter, which I, I think is – Good and bad, but it was certainly good on Sunday. But uh, your thoughts on Tyler Boyd's performance, who's carved himself a, a nice big role in this big or in this Bengals offense? Yeah, and, and to your point there at the end, that you know they can actually move the ball and score without giving it to AJ Green. When's the last time we could say that? You know, with yeah. this with this generation of Bengals since 2011, I don't think we've ever consistently been able to say that or expect it. And it's funny because. Um, Typically for the slot guy to really get open and have that extra space. I think we've seen the previous, you know, three, four games and a half where John Ross has been out, Tyler Eifert's been out. It's been congested, a little tighter coverage on Tyler Boyd. And he's averaging like 9.3 yards per catch during that span until this game. And, and you see, like, that cover two shell really opens it up over the middle. But Boyd's route running was so, so good. His hands were really good. I mean, it, that's the thing. It, when you're a just an average athlete, you know, in terms of NFL players, you have to really become a technical route runner. And I think he really, really has in, in this third year. Not just I'm not just talking footwork, but your hand usage too to get guys off you, so they don't grab you, so that so that you don't get pulled into coverage, so that you can gain that separation at the top of your route, um, staying vertical and not giving away your routes, and then mentally too. He, I felt like he always had that, but he's gotten even better to where the blitz is coming or um, or the, the coverage is switching between you know what they, what you may see as a zone or or man coverage and being able to adjust on the fly and he, he's doing that so well there was a play i think on the first drive um it's the, it's the play boyd almost got knocked out of right it looked like he lost his wind a little bit um but dalton's looking for him the entire way it's a cover two defense again you could push the ball to erickson or uzama up the seam versus cover two middle of the field open that's where you should go but he also has boyd just running a jerk route sort of uh, where he's gonna hang up in the middle and kind of just give it a one count and then go back across the towards the boundary. And Dalton's just eyeing him and waiting for him, and there's three defenders. The Bucks drop Vita Vea into coverage as a linebacker and another linebacker coming up, and they just fit it in between there. And the chemistry between them two has been really, really good, and you need that. You need that between quarterback and wide receiver, especially in the slot. Those are your hot reads. Those are the guys that are adjusting on the fly with you, and him and Boyd right now are on the same page. And it really makes the offense click. It's 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 that T.J. Hushman's out of Carson Palmer where you always felt like they were going to be able to convert on third downs, and that's what we have right now with Andy Dalton and Tyler Boyd. 
Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is joining us on the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. Thank you so much for tuning in. Um, Joe, let's continue the the talk about the offense. And obviously it was a complete 180 in the second half. And I, I'm still concerned about the offense. And here's why. Six out of their last eight quarters, they've scored a whopping 13 points. They couldn't get a first down in the second half. What was it? Because the first half, everything was going well, and I'm going to ask you about Joe Mixon in a second and what they did to get him going. But what went wrong in the second half? Because we're going to talk about the defense. Part of the defensive struggles is they were on the the field the entire second half, and I think they got tired. This team doesn't play well, especially on offense, when they get behind the script. And what I mean is, um, you know, first down, you'd like to get Four yards, five yards. It keeps you ahead of the game. You can now pick what you want. You can run it or you can pass it on second down. You'd like to get in the third and manageable. If they cannot stay ahead of it, um, the offense really doesn't like third and long situations. Andy Dalton's numbers in third and long situations aren't good this year. And when you see it's uh, maybe an incomplete pass on first down, maybe you know a little bit of pressure or um, a run for maybe one yard or a negative one yard, you saw it a bunch from midway through the second quarter on, um, where they just they weren't they weren't getting it on first and second down, and that's really what it comes down to, right? When we talk about third downs and converting on third downs, we talk about going for it on fourth down. It's all just a string of plays. If you're not gaining anything on first, if you're not getting anything on second, you're in a tough situation. And this offense has never really been the type to push it downfield and, and keep the keep the uh, the gas on. And and without Mixon's long runs, without the couple chunk plays to Tyler Boyd, I think they would have struggled a little bit. But you know, you can always look at games and say, well, if they didn't have this or they didn't have that. So it's key to make sure you get Mixon going, especially in those situations. It's just. You have a volatile offensive line still, and and I think Alex Redman had his best game. I think Bobby Hart was good in the in the first quarter and a half. I think he was terrible in the third and fourth quarter. So you get that, and what you end up with is all oh, really nice block put, block by the right side of the offensive line, mixing for forty yards, and then you get oh man, whiff on the right tackle, negative two. So you get that a lot still right now. And when they have those early in the in the in a series on first or second down, it really derails the offense. You mentioned Joe Mixon, and obviously he got going. He was up to 114 yards on his first 14 carries, had a couple of touchdowns, and and had some runs, uh, some big runs, some electrifying runs, and really showed what he could do for the first time in a while. I think he was given the the reins and the the, the touches to do so as well. What are your thoughts on his performance, and and what what was it as simple as the offensive line blocked well? What led to his success last Sunday? It was the best run-blocking performance we've seen this year. And I, I thought Trey Hopkins was a big difference. And Hopkins had a performance. Pro Football Focus gave him an 82.8, which is really good. It's actually the highest score they've given them a Bengals center since week two of 2015. That was Russell Bodine's career-high game of 83.0. And that was his, what, his third year starting then or second year starting then. And before that was two games in 2010, Cal Cook surpassed an 82.8. So that, that should tell you they've only had – three games since 2010 better at center based on pro football focus. So Hopkins was very, very good. Now the Bucks D line, like I said, was missing guys. It helped, you know, they, this whole unit, the both guards bowling was really good until he went out. Westerman was all right. When he came in, Redmond had his best day. Um, they dominated inside. And it, when they do that, and when your center can get that reach block on these zone runs and take care of that nose tackle as well as he did, you're going to get a lot of good runs where Mixon wasn't even touched until he's six, seven yards in full speed running into that second level. And when you can do that, 
he's going to make guys miss, and he and he had the most missed uh, avoided tackles he's had in his career. He, he made five guys miss, according to Pro Football Focus. He's only ever had four in one game. He did that a couple times, but that lets you know that if he can get a head start, if he can run, he will make guys miss. Because that's one thing that's really missed from Mixon's game this year. Um, but overall. Uh, it was just a collective unit and a collective effort. You know, it, it, you take if you take away that third quarter runs, really, where nothing really worked. I think for the most part, um, this was what you expect from the Bengals in their running game, or at least what you would like in most weeks. And I just think Mixon um, was decisive, hit it, hit it well, hit it quickly. There was one fourth down and one play, which, hey, by the way, I love that the Bengals went for it twice on fourth down early in the game. Uh, you know, that really probably helped contribute to them having that aggressive mind, mindset for the first half. Uh, you know, I love that effort and, and that idea. But Mixon going for it on that fourth and one there, there's the unblocked defender on the left edge. And instead of him sticking it and putting his head down between Cordy Glenn and C.J. Ozama, he bounces it out and gets tackled and loses the yardage. But they have the same exact play come up again on a goal line play, and he follows it, dives between Cordy Glenn and Ozama, and gets the touchdown. So it shows that there are still times where Mixon tries to bounce it outside too much or too quickly, and that he can learn and adjust and, and, and fix it as needed. And uh, he did there, and they got a touchdown. Yeah, the the thing, and you're right, you point that out, and I, I was kind of critical of him because I think he left some yardage out there. I think there were two plays, two critical plays in the game, the fourth and one, which people question the shotgun, which I'm fine with because I think the Bengals have ran it better out of the shotgun, uh, especially oh, yeah. in recent seasons. Uh, so I'm fine with that. I'm fine with the hurried approach, try to get them to jump off sides because they did a couple times the other day. But Mixon's just right, got to know right? it's, he's got to know the situation. It's fourth and one. Get a damn yard. Like the yard was there, and instead he tried to make the home run, and it bothers me. And there's there's another play, and it was when they were up eight, they had the ball, mm-hmm. and it, it's first down. They were driving with a chance to kick the the field goal, and if they kick a field goal there, then Ryan Fitzmagic it, it ends because the Bengals are up eleven with just a few minutes left. And on first down, instead of getting two or three yards, Mixon tries to bounce it and loses a couple. And that, to me, is where this offense is missing a Giovanni Bernard. Giovanni oh, yeah. Bernard's going to get those two to three yards. Mixon tries to go for the home run, I think, a little bit too much. I know he's very talented, and he's got a great skill set, and I've been complimentary of him. I said he's going to be a superstar in this league, and I don't take that back at all. I don't regret saying it. At the same time, those two plays are killers, especially when you said that this offense struggles when it's second and 12, when it's third and 10. You lose two or three yards on first down on a run to Mixon, and it puts you behind the chains. I'll be honest. I don't want to take away his creativity. Um, I think too often with the Bengals, um, they limit creativity in a lot of positions, not just running back, but I think sometimes that receiver, especially in route running, um, and their pass rushers in, in different moves. So I like that Mixon still has that in him and is trying to make a play. Um, it will negatively affect them. We talk about it at every position, strengths and weaknesses, positives and minuses. And if your elite talents and Mixon has an abundance of them, uh, you know he can break one at any time. He can really make the big play, passing or running. If that outweighs the negatives and the few plays, the bad plays that you do make, um, I, w- I can stomach it. We've, we've talked about a lot with Andy Dalton that he never used to make the big impact, difference-making throws, and he was still having errors on the field. And that's when we were we really, and a lot of people were like, you know, I don't think you can win with this quarterback. And it wasn't until he got the interceptions down, 
started making more difference-making throws to where we were like, okay, the balance is now tipped to where you can win with this guy. You can build around him. And it, that works for every position. That's not just quarterback. So at running back right now, we are having these plays with Mixon. Um, but it's because they can't. And you mentioned Gio, and I think that's a great point. It's because they can't lean on Mark Walton. Man, Mark Walton, I think, had two carries and gained positive yardage on each one. I was floored. He hasn't done that all year. He hasn't done yeah. that since preseason. He's, he's averaging like one yard per carry. And so when he did that, I was like, man, okay, maybe they can go to Walton. But when they come back from the bye, Gio will probably be back, and they'll be able to use him. And it will really help mix in. It'll help the run game. It'll keep it more consistent, keep it on time. Uh, and I think from there, that's when that's when really we should be able to see. Because, I mean, really all this year, they haven't had both those backs healthy at the same time from, from the most of the season now. Um, so really that should be something that perhaps – as this offense is looking for sparks and the and continue the consistency of putting up 35 points a game because they're going to need to, right? If, if, so, if something they're looking for, if a key they're looking for, if something they can ride, it might be those two backs going forward. Joe Goodberry of The Athletic is with us. I, I want to get to the defense and talk about that. But, but yesterday on the podcast, on, on my show on ESPN 1530, I talked about this as well. And odds are, if you're listening to this, the trade deadline has passed. And if the Bengals have made a move, I've already done or am in the process of doing an emergency podcast because it would be breaking news. If not, well, then maybe they didn't make a move. But e- either way, it's not going to change my opinion here. Joe, the true or false, just uh, on a couple things. One, I don't think that the Bengals are one guy away on defense from having an elite defense or having a defense that in this league can go to Foxborough and be dominant or can go to Kansas City or can handle those, handle New Orleans at home in a couple of weeks when they come in here in week 10. I think what they're going to have to do if the Bengals are going to win, and I think the Patriots have this figured out, I think the Chiefs have this figured out, I think most teams do, is, yeah, force turnovers, yes, your defense is going to have to do as much as it can, but you're going to win with offense. And this team is relying on, and partially because of injuries, but they're relying on A.J. Green and Tyler Boyd to get it done in the passing game. There's no more Tyler Eifert. There's no more Tyler Croft. Giovanni Bernard's been dinged up. Uh, Joe Mixon's been dinged up at times. Obviously, you get both of those guys back. It would be huge if they could stay healthy and be on the field together and just be playing at the same time. That said, and this is crazy, among wide receivers for the Bengals, their third most targeted wide receiver is John Ross. That, Still. that is insane because he's missed three games. So the way I look at it, if it's a scoring league, and that's what, what the NFL is now, you have to score a bunch of points. You're going to have to score 40 points in the Super Bowl to win. If, if that's the case, go get another weapon. I would go after Deshaun Jackson. I think he's the perfect fit. I would give up a third and a fifth. That would be a perfect um, for me if I'm the Bengals. And I've had a lot of people push back and say, well, why not go get a linebacker? Why not go get this? Why not go get that? Your thoughts on me thinking that the Bengals should embrace, oh, it's an offensive league, let's go all in on offense and give Andy as many weapons as possible. Well, a few points there. Number one, that it's an offensive league and you have to score as many as possible. Hands down, I don't think anybody should even debate that. I would be surprised if the, if the Bengals or any team in this league is still thinking otherwise. And with the defense they currently field, you have to score 35. You better go out there and, and expect to score on every single drive. So, yes, um, they should be trying to add to the offense. One player on defense rarely fixes a, 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 a unit, and I think um, you know most guys we look at there, people ask mostly, what about Hassan Reddick, Deion Buchanan, you know, just guys that aren't going to really make a difference or, or not going to make an impact on, a, on, a, on maybe historically one of the worst defenses of all time. They're heading that way. Um, so 
how do you fix the offense? Most most people listening to this will say, well, why don't you go trade for a right tackle then or a right guard? Well, because <laughs> teams aren't going to give them up. They it's, don't give those guys up. There's and a they, shortage. There's a shortage of those. Right. There's a reason the Bengals are starting Bobby Hart. It's because you don't find starting tackles out there that are quality. And um, you hear about maybe five receivers that could be traded at this point. You're not hearing about any offensive lineman that could be traded right now. And it's because teams covet them and value them. Uh, so it's not, that's not going to happen. So what can you do? And this goes for the last year and a half for us, talking about, well, chicken or the egg, do you need to block for Andy Dalton first, or do you need weapons that can get open first? And I think people would agree both are important, but you can't do anything for the offensive line right now that isn't already on your roster. Maybe at receiver. If all your hopes are, are, are hanging on John Ross staying healthy, well, that's a tough bet, you know, as for what we've seen and from what his history is. So someone like Jackson, and if the Bucks say we want a second-round pick, and you're like, oh, about a third and a five, well, maybe a dangle Josh Malone, maybe he's got some value. He was a third-round pick, right, mm-hmm. or fourth-rounder. Fourth-rounder, yeah. Um, yep. So, uh, you know, maybe maybe he's got some value as a day-three um, type guy and someone the Bucks could use or something like that. But, yes, it makes sense to me. It makes sense if, if, to go get a receiver. People say, what about a tight end? Sure. The only guy I really know that might be available is Jared Cook, and I'm interested in that, too, because I think C.J. Ozama – um, struggled a little bit last game after having a good game before that. So I would do I would both. Like somebody else. I would do both too. <laughs> yeah. Why not? It's like a fifth round pick for Jared Cook, probably. Yeah. You know, he's a free agent at the end of the year. It's it's exactly. not much. Yes. It's a rental. So I'm I'm willing to give up a day three pick for that. I'm willing to give up a day two pick for Deshaun Jackson. So from there, you know, and but we are we are the types that are most likely to say yes, we would go do it because you know that's how we we do this. We well, so, we think outside the box, and, and honestly, I think that that. Outside the box thinking, if you're the Bengals, is it look? There's no way Duke Tobin looks at this offense and says, "Oh, we don't need another weapon to to beat Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh, or, or we don't need another weapon to." In that, they might think it could be Ross, and I'm the big John Ross guy. So are you. We both think he's got the talent, but he hasn't been able to stay healthy. So knowing that, knowing that there's a huge drop off from number 15 in the next guy, and there is then to me, it just makes a a ton of sense to, one, think outside the box. And here's the other thing. Joe, obviously, it doesn't take – you've followed this team for a long time. Every single beat writer has been asked about uh, should they make a deal or not, and guess what they've all said. No, not going to happen, not going to happen, not going to happen. That means that A.J. Green and Andy Dalton are sitting there like, yeah, we're not going to get anyone. Imagine not only what it would do for the fans, but what it would do to a a locker room that has been told it's in win-now mode if A.J. Green, who's in a walking boot today, by the way, so that, yep. that stinks, according to Jay Morrison of The Athletic. But if A.J. Green or Andy Dalton said, oh, yeah, we, we think Ross is going to be good, but we went and got you Deshaun Jackson, the, the guy with the most 60-yard touchdowns in uh, in NFL history, or not even him, Demarius Thomas, or Golden Tate, or insert established player that can help the offense, Jared Cook. I think it would do wonders for that locker room that they were willing to go up and get someone to help after so many guys went down due to injury. Yeah, it would be like, guys, we think we can do something this year, and we're not going to let these injuries, and we're not going to just say, oh, you know, we're going to test our luck, or, you know, uh, it just didn't work out for us. The ball didn't bounce our way this year. Instead, it would be, guys, we're going for this. We think we have the talent. We're bringing in more guys. We're giving away future picks because we feel that – the team can go over the hump this year. Yeah, it would re-energize those guys. I don't doubt it for a second. Um, I'm with it. I, I, I'm all for it. And here's the other thing, too. You mentioned A.J. Green in the boot. 
he says it'll be fine. We've heard that before with guys. Oh, I'll be fine. And then they miss more time than we expect. Um, if we go out there with just Tyler Boyd in two weeks, if, if even if it is Green and Boyd and Ross is still out for a couple more weeks, you, you need some type of production from that third receiver. And I'm talking now with Erickson with a little bit of core sprinkled in. You can't have a guy that's averaging five yards to catch an Erickson and core. That's a complete wild card. And if he's going to do the right assignment, run the right route or even catch the ball. And, and so you, it's hard to play 10 versus 11 and expect to score 30 points a game. And, and we saw it versus the Chiefs where they just, there was nothing there and, and they couldn't move the ball. So um, I'm with it. And then one of the other thing noticed too is, and a lot of people have mentioned this and I've noticed it, every time A.J. Green runs a deep route or gets a deep target, he comes off the next play. And I, so what if Ross gets healthy and you have Jackson too? So you always have three good receivers out there? That sounds fantastic. Let's do that. Like, I, I'm a fan of that. Let, let's Let's add more premium talent. Let's score 35 points a game, and let's see how far this offense can actually take this team. Yeah, I'm totally on board. I think it would open up everything. And the idea, honestly, the idea of Deshaun one side, Ross on the other. And by the way, they're boys, and I think Deshaun would be able to show Ross the way in the NFL a little bit, how he takes care of his body, because Jackson's dealt with a ton of injuries, how he plays through things, uh, a confidence thing, because that's been questioned with Ross. No one really doubts Ross's ability. The Bengals love his ability. They, they, they're they worried a little bit about his mental state, I think, and certainly the injuries, which uh, how could you not be? Um, and the, the idea of Jackson on one side, Ross on the other, and Green, who's played a lot in the slot, and Boyd in the slot, I mean, that would be, with Mixon and Geo in the backfield, like that is how you win in 2018. So, that's everyone getting healthy. That's your. Yeah. That's the best offense you can field going forward for the rest of this year because the guys that are on IR aren't coming back. Eifert's not coming back. You're not just going to magically have a right tackle that's Pro Bowl level. So that would be the best offense going forward for this year, trying to score as many points as possible. And I, earlier we talked about why the running game worked, and I said, well, the Bucks were in this cover two shell all games. So there's seven men in the box, and the Bengals are running down their throat. You want to keep a team in that cover two shell? Get that other speed receiver on the field and watch the running game open up all year for the rest of the year. You want to win in, in, in January against good defenses, put them back in a cover two shell again and run it down their throats and keep your defense off the field. So not only does it help the, the, the receiving core, Andy Dalton helps the offensive line, helps the running backs, and it will help the defense because you'll be able to run the ball better. Yeah, and, and last thing on this, and then, and then we'll take a, a quick timeout and talk about the defense. But I, I would be all over the, Deshaun Jackson, by the way, if I'm – uh, the New England Patriots. I, I keep hearing Demarius Thomas, and I'd be on board with that too. I'd take the Sean over Demarius, even in New England. Like that to me makes a ton of oh, sense. Yeah. I think Brady's a great deep ball thrower. I think you you add him to to uh, Josh Gordon and Julian Edelman and Rob Gronkowski. Good luck. So it just it, it, he fits in a lot of places. If I'm the Bengals, I'm trying to make sure that place is in Cincinnati. Yeah, I, I'm with you. If I'm talking, uh, you know, any team that I think is looking for a receiver, here's the thing is what do you need? And if, if the top three guys right now are Demarius Thomas, Jason Jackson, and, and Golden Tate, Tate's a slot guy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, he'd be the lowest on, on my list of the three. Agreed. Um, Demarius Thomas can help you, but he's lost some of his speed. Uh, he's got a big contract. I, for me, it easily out of the three would be Jackson. I think that should apply for every single team. I think Golden Tate would be a, an excellent fit for the Patriots, though, because uh, just what they do with their slot guys and always scheming guys open, I think he'd, he'd have no problem fitting in. Yeah, rumor has it it's a uh, fourth-round pick will land Golden Tate as a free agent at the end of the year, which I still I think he would help. Like I, I know he's a slot guy. You can have more than one slot guy. You know, Maybe you, you make A.J. Green be your deep threat to a certain extent, fine. 
Um, but you just need that third pass catcher, which they're they're not going to have. As of now, there, there's no one to to man that role with all of the injuries. He's Joe Goodberry of The Athletic. Keep it locked right here because up next we're going to talk about defense. Can the Bengals' defense be fixed? Carl Lawson will do that. And Hugh Jackson, I'll run it by Joe as well. Keep it locked right here on the Locked on Bengals podcast. And quickly, a word from my bookie because who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell my people to bet with my bookie. They are your best bet this season. They've been in the business for years. They have great reviews online, and their mobile site is easy to use. Lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend something that I use. I've used my bookie. It's been great to me. It will treat you well, too. Uh, you can win uh, in a variety of ways. Look, it's not just normal betting lines on games. They have in-game betting. They have live betting. They have the most rewarding player perks in the business. And if you're a fantasy football player where you love fantasy football, you can bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score in each game. Join now, and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar with promo code Locked On 25 all you got to do is use promo code LOCKEDON25 to activate the offer. Visit MyBookie online today. That's M-Y-B-O-O-K-I-E. And don't forget to use the promo code LOCKEDON25 when creating your account to claim the bonus. You play, you win, you get paid with MyBookie. Hey, guys. It's Joe Marino. Being around sports media and a fan of the Buffalo Bills for a lifetime has taught me that sometimes – It's exploring the sliding doors moments and what-if scenarios in sports that can be the best part of the fan experience. What if the Seahawks let Marshawn run on the one-yard line with the Super Bowl on the line? Or could a coin flip have landed Magic in Chicago, Michael in L.A., and made Charles Barkley the first black president? Enter Wondery's newest sports show, Alternate Routes, a weekly leap into the sports multiverse with former Sports Center anchors Trey Wingo and Kevin Frazier. Each week on the podcast, Trey and Kevin will pry open the sliding doors of a different what-if moment from the world of sports. In these alternate sports realities, dynasties will fall, legacies will change forever, and new goats will emerge. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts, and you can listen to Alternate Routes early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. Welcome back into the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm James Erpine. Joe Goodberry is with us for our weekly Bengals film review. Joe, let's talk about the defense, a defense that is on pace to allow over 7,100 total yards, which would be the most in NFL history. Um, 7,164 yards is the pace. That would break the 2012 Saints record of 7,042 yards your thoughts on their performance? It was kind of night and day, what they did in the first half against Tampa Bay versus what they did in the second half. Yeah, it reminded me of the 2005 defense. And that year <laughs> yes. they relied on turnovers, <laughs> yep. big plays, but they gave up a lot of yards and points. And the offense on that side had to really match it and had to outscore the defense constantly. You're not just playing the other defense. You're playing your defense at that point. You need to keep them off the field, which – affects your play calling and you need to score a lot and often in that affects your play calling. Um, I think, you know, performance wise, when you get those interceptions and I was starting to collect plays for showing how bad this defense was. And then there was, every time you want to show a bad play, there was a good play. They had 
a handful of sacks, four interceptions. There was some good defensive third-down stops. Sean Williams almost had an interception on the first drive. It could have been even worse. Um, there was a lot of good chunk plays. But there was a lot of bad chunk plays. And that's just a hard thing to swallow, I think, for a defensive team. Or And I say that because Marvin Lewis is a defensive background, but a defense coordinator also. Because you want to limit. They've always limited the, the big plays over the top, right? And we've talked about this before. They keep guys back in coverage. They don't want to get beat over top. So they play these soft zones, and they'll come up and tackle. Well, the Bengals have adjusted all year. It's, it's funny because people ask me, um, well, what can the Bengals do? What can they do? The talent's too good. What can, what can Terrell Austin do to change the route they're, or the path they're on. And they've changed almost every other week. And they've done new things, and they've brought in new things, and um, they've let now William Jackson's shadow, which is great, which is what we wanted. It's weird to do it against a team that's got two number one receivers, uh, really, but <laughs> yeah. they decided to do it, so whatever. Um, and it worked at times, and it didn't work on others. because. And I've talked about this before when people say, well, why, can't, why don't you let Jackson's shadow? And I say, well, it's easier to build your defense sometimes when you know what side he's on. And the, it helps the safety, too, as that, as that middle free safety. You know what side you can lean to and help. You know who, what guy does what, what coverages they, they, they struggle with at times. And I think when you start mixing it up, it creates just a little bit more confusion and indecision on your own half of the, of, of the team. So um, when we saw that, a few big plays right over the top, and that's not normal for this defense. They've been a bad defense. They've given up yards this year. But really, those chunk deep shots – haven't been part of it. They've been getting dinked and dunked all the way down the field for the most part. So, um, you know, when you see that, you go, okay, well, you know, I can live with that if they're a little more aggressive, if they're getting these sacks, if they're trying to jump these other underneath routes, which they are, Jesse Bates and Sean Williams with interceptions. If you're doing that, and linebackers too, right, with interceptions. So we're it worked, right? We want this is what we've wanted out of the coverage, except they're getting big plays down, run uh, thrown over the top. So. I don't know. I don't know, again, what the fix is. I'm watching the tape, and I'm sitting here saying, okay, they're doing new things. They're trying new things. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Is that just part of it? Is just that what it's going to be? There's just so many times where there will be a drive, and you'll be like, that's the Bengals' defense. Yeah, that's, that's what they've looked like in years past. That, that looks good. And then there's other times where I'm like, where's the pass rush? And why is there missed tackles again? And why are the safeties and corners arguing after the play on a deep ball? And it's Marvin talked about it. Well, you can't, I, you know, he's happy with the win, but you can't have guys worrying about what the other guy's doing because they're getting some of that, some of those mistakes and some of those distrust issues. And you can see it. And I talked about, it, I think last week at linebacker, they don't trust each other. Well, I think sometimes at, at corner and safety, maybe it's because you've got a young guy like Jesse Bates back there. Uh, maybe it's because you're moving these corners. Maybe it's because the nickel corner is a new guy, even though I thought Phillips played pretty well. But all of that in a new in a new system will create some of the, the mistrust and the doubt during a play. And when you have that, you're going to make more mistakes. So um, do I think it can be fixed? Do I think it can be salvageable? I do. I think the biggest thing is that they lost Carl Lawson. And it is a huge, huge loss that cannot be replaced by anybody on the roster. I'm thinking, man, is Dwight Freeney still in shape? Because I would call him and see what he's got. Um, I'm trying to think of the pass rusher in Oakland. Uh, Bruce, Bruce Irvin. Irvin. That they, yeah, could be had. I'm like, sure. If you talk about an edge speed guy, they desperately need one now. We to think too drastic ago when we were saying, man, they need a speed guy in the edge. They need one 
so bad it's killing it's killing Atkins um, production. It's killing Dunlap's production. And then now they're down. They drafted two that year, but Willis has not been the pass rusher. Lawson has been, and now they're down him. And you look at it, and it was Hubbard and Willis on that edge. And when they were, you really didn't feel any pressure coming from that side. They're lucky Winston held on to the ball. When they play these guys, that these quarterbacks, they get rid of the ball quickly. And we saw it when Fitzpatrick came in. You really weren't sniffing them. And, and a lot of it is because you need that. As much as you need that third receiver to help the other two guys, you need that third pass rusher to help your two stars. Yeah, I, I agree with you. And I thought that the Carl Lawson injury, I think it's their biggest injury of the season. And I get Tyler Eifert and yep. the drop-off there. But part of the reason it was such a drop-off isn't just Eifert, but it's Croft too. Like, Carl Lawson led the, this team in pressures. He, he's a guy that at some point was going to get the sacks. You know, it, it, it was going to come, and now he's out for the year. I'm with you uh, because Sam Hubbard has kind of picked up his scraps. I mean, I just just from talking to you over the past couple of weeks, you break down the film, you watch it. How valuable was Carl Lawson? It, it, to you, extremely valuable. I agree. And the problem is... Is there's really two things that that win in this league? It's offense, like we talked about, and scoring a bunch of points, and it's causing a couple mistakes, a couple turnovers, and making the other quarterback uncomfortable. And if you're going to make Tom Brady uncomfortable, you need a Carl Lawson. If you're going to go to uh, Pittsburgh and make Ben Roethlisberger uncomfortable, you're going to need him. And I get it; people are all over the pass rush after what happened against the Steelers. But at the same time, that that to me. Is so critical in today's game is getting pressure on the quarterback, and I think Carl Austin was there. One of the keys, it was one of the three guys you couldn't lose on that defensive line, and they lost them. Yep, yep. There's a there's a handful of players, and I did the I broke down the top fifty Bengals for the Athletic. I think Carl Lawson was number eight. Um, so to let you know, they lost the top ten guy, and I had Eifert. I want to say nine. So already now two guys halfway through the year. It's getting to the point where you. Um, you feel like these injuries are going to be insurmountable. Like there's a couple of more injuries away, and maybe that's AJ Green now in a boot. And, you know, maybe it's someone down the line that we're not foreseeing yet. But they every position has felt the heat and felt felt a hit. Uh, whether it's Darquez Denard, whether it's Vontez Perfect, Ryan Glasgow, and Carl Lawson. Um, uh, <laughs> surprisingly. Billy Price injured at center, but after that, they've been pretty healthy. Tight end's been hit. Wide receiver's been hit. Running back's been hit. Every single position has been hit for the most part, and you wonder, can they survive it? Is that going to be – because you look at it, they're 5-3. and three. If they go 4-4 four and four the rest of the way and just be an average team, they get to nine wins and have a chance to make the playoffs. They have a chance for 10 wins and, and make it to the playoffs and maybe even have a home playoff game. They have that opportunity in front of them. But can they – can they get out of their own way? Can they stay healthy? And if they do, I think most of the things will get fixed on this team with health. But at the same time, you can keep saying that, and every week we can come back with a new injury report with two more guys added to it, and that seems what's what's been happening now over the last handful of weeks. Yeah, I agree. They need to get healthy. I mean, getting Darquez Denard back, Nick Vigil back, Vontez Perfect back, all of those. Yep, I didn't even mention Vigil. He's been their best linebacker. Yeah, I mean, you've got to get those guys back if, if they're going to have a chance. By the way, we have breaking news, Joe. Uh-oh. The Texans are closing in on a deal for Broncos wide receiver Demarius Thomas in exchange for a mid-round pick, according to Ian Rappaport. You know what? That's what you do when you lose your other guy that really opens up the offense for you, and he goes down to an injury. Um, yeah, that you know, I wonder if we had a team that was in that situation. Yeah, I, I, it makes sense. I mean, look, and now you get Watson. Uh, I think that they're 
probably the favorite in that division, and you get Watson, a big-bodied wide receiver. See? Go make a move, Joe. It's got to happen. Deshaun Jackson better be sprinting here at 4 p.m. The Texans made a move last year at the deadline, did they? trade Dwayne Brown. They did. That's right. They did. Yep. Yep. So this isn't unfamiliar for them. They see the window is open with with a quarterback, a young quarterback on a rookie deal. I embrace this for them. They see the window, and they're attacking it. Joe Goodberry of the Athletic is uh, with us. Let's uh, let's continue the conversation real quick, just because it happened yesterday in Cleveland. I, I got to ask you before I let you go, Hugh Jackson. Uh, are you in favor of bringing him back potentially on on some kind of in some kind of role, some kind of capacity against it? What are your thoughts? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I feel like it's inevitable almost that they're going to bring him back and try and do something with him. I don't want him on this team. I don't want him in that in the organization because I don't want them to fall back on Hugh Jackson if and when Marvin Lewis leaves. And he was <laughs> so bad. Now you don't get to fail at two places and still hope to. And even though it was the Raiders and Browns, two of the most inept franchises during his time, um, you don't get a third chance with normal teams, but we don't have a normal team. So I don't want him here. Yeah, I get why you say that. Here's why and I'm not even thinking big picture. Here's why small picture I want him here. The Bengals have two games against Cleveland. Those are two winnable games anyways, but obviously he knows the roster as good as anyone, so those should be two wins with Hugh Jackson's guidance, right? I would assume that. Um, Then you play Oakland at home and Denver at home. That should get you to nine. It should. So if that's the case... I got to win both games against Cleveland because the other four games are pretty tough and maybe you get one and get to 10 wins. But but to me, anything that can get this team and make them better now, I try to do. Now, I wouldn't do it with the idea that he's guaranteed the head coaching job down the line. I, I think that's silly. But but uh, Dave Lapham mentioned it. I played it at the top of the podcast before I had you on. Uh, associate head coach or assistant to the head coach, something like that. I think there is some kind of value in that, but Plenty have, have disagreed and said, no, Hugh, at all. Where do you stand? You know, I, I'm not totally against it. For us, the idea is, you know, he's coming in blank slate almost. And, you know, remember when he came in last time, what was he? Assistant defensive backs and running backs coach or, or just kind of an assistant and a defensive assistant defensive backs coach. Um, yeah, because I forget how it works. So I'm just speaking openly here. Um, when you have a contract in the NFL as a coach, you can't take a certain position or else you lose that money or something like that. So he can come as an assistant, but he can't actually come as a coach or, or something. I remember um, this happening for a few guys in the past. Uh, mm-hmm. So that he still gets so that he still gets paid by the Browns. So yes, I, I would see uh, some type of role with this organization. It could happen. Could it help beat the Browns? It definitely could. Um, and they, those are games they need. But another thing too that we probably got lost too because Hugh Jackson's a bigger name, but Paul Alexander was fired from the Cowboys yep. offensive line coach on the same day. I mean, man, Bengals had him for 24 years. The Cowboys go eight weeks and, and, and shipped him out. <laughs> the Bengals are doing much better in that trade though for Frank Pollock and Paul Alexander, I would say. No doubt about it. And, and I think that confirms it, right? That they're like, okay, well, we got that one right. And if you're a Bengals fan, you can sleep well knowing that they let Paul Alexander go and get Frank Pollock. Not that anyone was worried about losing Paul, but uh, now, now it kind of um, hammers that home, no doubt about it. Ian Rappaport saying that, uh, his understanding is the Broncos held firm on a fourth-round pick, though that may not be the end of the compensation. So it's at probably at least a fourth-round pick for Demarius. 
Yeah, probably fourth, and then uh, something based on his performance the rest of the year, how far the team goes, the Texans go the rest of the year. Yeah, we're just assuming there. But, yeah, hopefully next time we talk, Joe, uh, hopefully I'm having you on later this week, and it's to talk about how Deshaun Jackson fits in the Bengals' offense. We we could do an instant – I would be ready for an instant podcast as long as it's not Halloween night. What, what Last year what happened on Halloween night, the, the it failed A.J. McCarron trade, actually. Remember yeah. That? Yep. See, the Bengals make deals at the deadline, or they try to. (laughs) Oh, man. Hopefully it happens. Joe, I appreciate the time, as always. Make sure you follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Before I let you go, what do you have planned for the Athletic this week? I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. No, I'm going to look at the defense. There's a lot of good plays. (laughs) There's a lot of good plays. There's a lot of bad plays. I've been cutting them up. And I think it's going to get too long. I may, with the bye week coming, I may split them into two different articles, the good and the Jekyll and the Hyde of the defense. And, um, and from there, I want to feature Tyler Boyd. I want to write about him. I want to show what he's doing. I want to show some of these routes that he's winning on that he wasn't winning on before. And I've got a handful of them and good examples. So uh, that may be during the bye week. I had one coming up that I spent a lot of time on on Carl Lawson, and I don't know if now if I'm just going to scrap it. Um, but I was going to talk about how they weren't using him correctly and how he, how they can get him on the field more. And, you know, that just took the wind out of myself. Tweak it. Yeah. Tweak it, and here's what they're missing. I may just save it for the offseason. You know, he's That's long, true. Big, big picture, long term, he's still a major component to them going forward. Gotcha. Yeah, Joe, I can't wait to read your work at The Athletic. Again, follow Joe on Twitter, at Joe Goodberry. Joe, I appreciate the time as always, man. Of course, and Fante. <laughs> that's joe ending with an ode to uh the bengals uk guys and, and what they uh they tweeted in there on twitter guys i hope you get a kick out of that joe gave you the the fante shout out that you asked for on twitter i'm james Rapine. this is the locked on bengals podcast thank you so much for tuning in today we are uh gonna be stacked packed and loaded still i mean there's so much to discuss hopefully we have an emergency podcast around the corner if nothing happens we'll be back at it tomorrow for our normal show, and uh, we'll dive into this year. Because if they don't make a move at the deadline, how does this team improve? Is it just health? Is it just from within? By the way, Marvin Lewis yesterday was asked about trades and if he could foresee anything, and he said he's a football coach, he just coaches. So hopefully the front office, Duke Tobin, make a move. I want to do an emergency podcast today. Have a great night. I'm James Erpine. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.